Part six of a Christmas Miscellany twenty nineteen by various authors. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part six The Little City of Hope A Christmas Story by Francis Marion Crawford. Section four. Eight. How the wheels went round at last. The hush of Christmas Eve lay upon the tumble-down cottage and on the soft, fresh snow outside, and the lamps were burning quietly in the workshop where father and son were sitting before the finished motor. The little city was there, too, but not between them now, though Newton had taken off its brown paper cover in honor of the great event which was about to take place. In order to be doubly sure of the result, and dreading even the possibility of a little disappointment, Overholt had decided that he would subject the only chemical substance which the machine consumed to a final form of refinement by heat, melting, boiling, and cooling it, all of which would require an hour or more before it was quite ready. He felt like a man who is going to risk his life over a precipice, trusting to a single rope for safety. That one rope must not be even a little chaffed. If possible, each strand must be perfect in itself, and all the strands must be laid up without a fault. Of the rest of the machine itself, Overholt felt absolutely sure, yet although a slight impurity in the chemical would certainly not hinder the whole from working, it might interfere with the precision of the revolutions, or even cause the engine to stop after a few hours instead of going on indefinitely as long as the supply of the substance produced the alternate disturbance of equilibrium which was the main principle on which the machine depended that sweetly prophetic evening silence before the great feast of goodwill does not come over everything each year even in a lonely cottage in an abandoned farm in connecticut than which you cannot possibly imagine anything more silent or more remote from the noise of the world sometimes it rains in torrents just on that night sometimes it blows a raging gale that twists the leafless birches and elms and hickory trees like dry grass and bends the dark firs and spruces as if they were feathers and you can hardly be heard unless you shout for the howling and screaming and whistling of the blast but now and then once in four or five years perhaps the feathery snow lies a foot deep fresh fallen on the still countryside and in the woods and the waxing moon sheds her large light on all, and nature holds her breath to wait for the happy day, and tries to sleep, but cannot, from sheer happiness and peace. Indoors the fire is glowing on the wide hearth, a great bed of coals that will last all night, because it is not bitter weather, but only clear and cold and still, as it should be or if there is only a poor stove like overholt's the wide door is open and a comfortable and cheery red light shines out from within upon the battered iron plate and the wooden floor beyond and the older people sit around it not saying much but thinking with their hearts rather than with their heads but small boys and girls know that interesting things have been happening in the kitchen all the afternoon, and are rather glad that the supper was not very good, because there will be the more room for good things tomorrow. 
and the grown-ups and the children have made up any little differences of opinion they may have had before supper-time because goodwill must reign and reign alone like alexander so that there is nothing at all to regret and nothing hurts anybody any more and they are all happy and just wishing for king christmas to open the door softly and make them all great people in his kingdom but if it is the right sort of house he is already looking in through the window to be sure that every one is all ready for him and that nothing has been forgotten now although overholt's cottage was a miserable place for a professor who had lived very comfortably and well in a college town and although the thirteen-year-old boy could remember several pretty trees lighted up with colored candles and gleaming with tinsel and gilt apples they both felt that this was going to be the greatest christmas in their lives because the motionless motor was going to move and that would mean everything most of all to both of them the end of the mother's exile and her speedy homecoming therefore neither said anything for a long time while the chemical stuff was slowly warming itself and getting ready inside a big iron pot of which the cover was screwed on with a high-temperature thermometer sealed in it and which stood on the top of the stove where overholt could watch the scale he would really have preferred to be alone for the first trial but it was utterly impossible to think of sending the boy to bed he was sure of success it is true yet he would far rather have been left to himself till that success was no longer in the future but present then at last even if newton had been asleep he would have waked him and brought him downstairs again to see his triumph the lad's presence made him nervous and suggested a failure which was all but impossible more than once he was on the point of trying to explain this to newton but when he glanced at the young face he could not find it in his heart to speak if he only asked the boy as a kindness to go into the next room for five minutes while the machine was being started he knew what would happen newton would go quietly without a word and wait till he was called but half his christmas would be spoilt by the disappointment he would try hard to hide had they not suffered together and had not the boy sacrificed the best of his small possessions dearly treasured to help in their joint distress it would be nothing short of brutal to deprive him of the first moment of triumphant surprise that was going to mean so much hereafter yet the inventor would have given anything to be alone he was overwrought by the long strain that had so often seemed unbearable, and when the liquid that was heating had reached the right temperature and the iron pot had to be taken off the stove, his hands shook so that he nearly dropped it, but Newton did not see that. "'It's wonderful how everything has come out just right,' the boy exclaimed as he looked at the machine. "'Out of your three wishes you'll get two, father, for the wheel will go round, and I'm going to have a regular old patent double-barreled Christmas with a gilt edge.' His similes were mixed, but effective in their way. "'And you'll probably get the other wish in half a shake now, for mother'll come right home, won't she?' if the trial succeeds overholt said still instinctively seeking to forestall a disappointment he did not expect nothing is a fact until it has happened you know 
well said newton if i had anything to bet with and somebody to bet against i'd bet that's all but i haven't it's a pity too now that everything's coming out right do you remember how we were trying to make bricks without straw less than a month ago father it didn't look just then as if we were going to have a roaring old christmas this year did it he chattered on happily looking at the motor all the time and overholt tried to smile and answered him with a word or two now and then though he was becoming more and more nervous as the minutes passed and the supreme moment came nearer in his own mind he was going over the simple operations he had to perform to start the engine yet easy as they were he was afraid that he might make some fatal mistake he did not let himself think of failure he did not dare to wonder how he should tell his wife if anything went wrong and all her hard-saved earnings were lost in the general ruin that must follow if the thing would not move there was next to nothing left of what she had sent now that everything was paid for it would support him and the boy for a month if so long but certainly no more he was ready at last but strange to say he would gladly have put off the great moment for half an hour now that there was no reason for waiting another moment he sat down again in his chair and folded his hands aren't you going to begin father asked newton what are you waiting for overhold pulled himself together rose with a pale face and laid his shaking hands on the heavy plate glass case it moved upwards by its chain and counterpoise almost at a touch till it was near the low ceiling quite clear of the machine he was very slow in doing what was still necessary and the boy watched him in breathless suspense for he had seen other trials that had failed more than two or three perhaps half a dozen everyone who has lived with an inventor even a boy has learned to expect disappointment as inevitable only the seeker himself is confident up to a certain point and then his own hand trembles when the moment of trial is come overholt poured the chemical into the chamber at the base screwed down the air-tight plug and opened the communication between the reservoir and the machine then he took out his watch and waited four minutes that being twice the time he had ascertained to be necessary for a sufficient quantity of the liquid to penetrate into the distributors beyond he next worked the hand air pump keeping his eye on the vacuum gauge and lastly as soon as the needle marked the greatest exhaustion he knew to be obtainable he moved the starting lever to the proper position and then stepped back to watch the result for a moment in the joy of anticipation a strange light illuminated his face his lips parted as in a foretasted wonder and he forgot even to drop the hand he had just withdrawn the boy held his breath unconsciously till he was nearly dizzy then a despairing cry burst from the wretched man's lips he threw up his hands as if he had been shot through the heart and stumbled backwards the motor stood still motionless as ever and gleaming under the brightly shining lamps oh helen god forgive me with the words he fell heavily to the floor and lay there a nerveless breathless heap 
newton was kneeling beside him in an instant father cried the boy in agony bending over the still white face father speak to me you can't be dead you can't in his mortal terror the lad held each breath till it seemed as if his head must burst then breathed once and shut his lips again with all his strength some instinct made him lay his ear to the man's chest to listen for the beatings of his heart but he could hear nothing half suffocated with sudden mingled grief and fright he straightened himself on his knees and looked up at the cursed machine that had wrought such awful destruction then he in turn uttered a cry but it was low and full of wonder long drawn out and trembling as the call of a frightened young wild animal the thing was moving steadily noiselessly moving in the bright light the double levers worked like iron jaws opening and shutting regularly the little valve rods rose and sank and the heavy wheel whirled round and round the boy was paralyzed with amazement and for ten seconds he forgot that he was kneeling beside his father's fallen body on the floor then he felt it against him and it was no longer quite still overholt groaned and turned upon his side as his senses slowly came back and his agony tortured him to life again instantly the boy bent over him father it's going wake up father the wheel's going round at last nine how the king of hearts made a feast in the city of hope when overholt understood what he heard he opened his eyes and looked up into his son's face moving his head mournfully from side to side as it lay on the boards but suddenly he caught sight of the engine he gasped for breath his jaw dropped and his eyes were starting from their sockets as he struggled to get up with the boy's help his voice came with a sort of rasping scream that did not sound human and then broke into wild laughter interrupted by broken words mad he cried i knew it it had to come my boy help me get away from that thing i'm raving mad i see it moving but it really is moving father wake up look at it the wheel is going round and round then overholt was silent sitting up on the floor and leaning against his arm slowly he realized that he was in his senses and that the dream of long years had come true not a sound broke the stillness so perfect was the machinery except a kind of very soft hum made by the heavy flywheel revolving in the air aren't you sure boy aren't we dreaming he asked in a low tone it's going like clockwork as sure as you're born the lad answered i think you're falling down shook it up and started it that was all it wanted the inventor got up slowly first upon his knees at last to his feet never once taking his eyes from the beautiful engine he went close to it and put out his hand till he felt the air thrown off by the wheel and he gently touched the smooth swift turning rim with one finger incredulous still there's no doubt about it he said at last yielding to the evidence of touch and sight it works and it works to perfection if it doesn't stop soon it will go on for twenty-four hours almost as much overcome by joy as he had been by despair he let himself sink into his seat get me that tea bottle he said unsteadily quick i feel as if i were going to faint again 
the draught he swallowed steadied his nerves and then he sat a long time quite silent in his unutterable satisfaction and newton stood beside him watching the moving levers the rising and sinking valve rods and the steadily whirling wheel she did it my boy overholt said at last very softly your mother did it without her help the motor would have been broken up for old metal three weeks ago it's something like a christmas present newton answered but then i always said she wouldn't let you give it up do you know father when you fell just now i thought you were dead you looked just awful and it was quite a long time before i saw that the motor was moving and then when i did see it and thought you were dead well i can't tell you poor little chap but it's all right now my boy and i haven't spoiled your christmas after all not quite newton laughed joyfully and turning around he saw the little city smiling on its board in the strong light with the tiny red and green wreath in the windows and the pretty booths and the crowds of little people buying christmas presents at them they're going to have a pretty good time in the city too the boy observed they know just as well as we do that hope has come to stay now but overholt did not hear silent and rapt he sat in his old shaker rocking chair gazing steadily at the great success of his life that was moving ceaselessly before his eyes where motionless failure had sat mocking him but a few minutes ago and as the wheel whirled steadily round and round throwing off a little breeze like a fan the cruel past was wafted away like a mist by a morning wind and the bright future floated in and filled its place altogether and more also as daylight shows the distance which was all hidden from us by the close darkness we groped in before it rose overholt sat still and saw and wondered and little by little the wheel and the soft vision of near happiness hypnotized him for his body and brain were weary beyond words to tell so that all at once his eyes were shut and he was sleeping like a child as happy in dreamland as he had just been awake and happier far for there was a dear presence with him now a hand he loved lay quietly in his and he heard a sweet low voice that was far away the boy saw and understood for ever since he had been very small he had been taught that he must not wake his father who slept badly at all times and little or not at all when he was anxious so newton would not disturb him now and at once formed a brave resolution to sit bolt upright all night if necessary for fear of making any noise besides he did not feel at all sleepy there was the motor to look at and there was christmas to think of and it was bright and clear outside where the snow was like silver under the young moon he could look out of the window as he sat or at his father or at the beautiful moving engine or at the little city of hope all without doing more than just turning his head to tell the truth it was not really a great sacrifice he was making for if there is anything that strikes a boy of thirteen as more wildly exciting than anything else in the world it is to sit up all night instead of going to bed like a christian child 
moreover the workshop was warm and his own room would be freezing cold and he was so well used to the vile odour of the chemical stuff that he did not notice it at all it was even said to be healthy to breathe the fumes of it as the air of a tannery is good for the lungs or even london coal smoke but it is one thing to resolve to keep awake even with many delightful things to think about it is quite another to keep one's eyes open when they are quite sure that they ought to be shut and that you ought to be tucked up in bed the boy found it so and in less than half an hour his arm had got across the back of the chair his cheek was resting on it quite comfortably and he was in dreamland with his father and quite as perfectly happy so the two slept in their chairs under the bright lamps and while they rested the air motor worked silently hour after hour and the heavy wheel whirled steadily on its axis and only its soft and drowsy humming was heard in the still air that was the most refreshing sleep overholt remembered for a long time when he stirred at last and opened his eyes he did not even know that he had slept and forgot that he had closed his eyes when he saw the engine moving he thought it was still nine o'clock in the evening and that the boy might as well finish his little nap where he was before going to bed newton might sleep till ten o'clock if he liked the lamps burned steadily for they held enough oil to last sixteen hours when the winter darkness is longest and they had not been lighted till after supper but all at once overholt was aware of a little change in the colour of things and he slowly rubbed his eyes and looked about him and towards the window the moon had set long ago there was a grey light on the snow outside and in the clear air and overholt knew that it was the dawn he looked at his watch then and it was nearly seven o'clock for in new york and connecticut as you may see by your pocket calendar the sun rises at twenty-three minutes past seven on christmas morning he sprang to his feet in astonishment and at the sound newton awoke and looked up in blank and sleepy surprise merry christmas my boy cried overholt and he laughed happily not yet answered newton in a disappointed tone and rubbing his arm which was stiff i've got to go to bed first i suppose oh no you and i have slept in our chairs all night and the sun is rising so it's merry christmas in earnest and the motor is running still after nine or ten hours what a sleep we've had the boy looked out the window stupidly and vaguely wished that his father would not make fun of him then he saw the dawn and jumped up in wild delight hurrah he shouted merry christmas hurrah hurrah if anything could make that morning happier than it had promised to be it was to have actually cheated bed for the first time in his life they were gloriously happy as people have a right to be and should be when they have been living in all sorts of trouble with a great purpose before them and have won through and got all they hoped for if not quite all they could have wished because there is absolutely no limit to wishing if you let it go on 
the people watched them curiously in church for they looked so happy and for a long time the man's expression had always been anxious if it had no longer been sad of late and the boy's young face had been preternaturally grave yet every one saw that neither of them even had a new coat for christmas day and that both needed one pretty badly but no one thought the worse of them for that and in the generous good will that was everywhere that morning everybody was glad to see that everyone else looked happy in due time the two got home again the motor was still working to perfection as if nothing could ever stop it again and overholt oiled the bearings carefully passed a leather over the fixed parts and examined the whole machine minutely before sitting down to the feast while newton stood beside him looking on and hoping that he would not be long the boy had his new watch in his pocket and it told him that it was time for that turkey at last and his new skates were in the parlor and there was splendid ice on the pond where the boys had cleared away the snow and it was the most perfect christmas weather that ever was and in order to enjoy everything it would be necessary to get to work soon the two were before the air motor turning their backs to the door and they heard it open quietly for old barbara always came to call overholt to his meals because he was very apt to forget them we are just coming he said without turning around but the boy turned for he was hungry for the good things and suddenly a perfect yell of joy rent the air and he dashed forward as overholt turned sharp around mother helen and there she was instead of in munich for the rich people she was with had happily smashed their automobile without hurting themselves and had taken a fancy to spend christmas at home and after the manner of very rich people they had managed everything in a moment had picked up their children and the governess had just caught the fastest steamer afloat at Cherbourg, and had arrived in new york late on christmas eve and Helen Overholt had taken the earliest train that she could manage to get ready for, and had come out directly to surprise her, too, in their lonely cottage. So John Henry Overholt had his three wishes, after all, on Christmas Day, and everybody had helped to bring it all about, even Mr. Burnside, who had said that hope was cheap, and that there was plenty of it to be had but as for the little christmas city in which hope had dwelt and waited so long they all three put the last touches to it together and carried it with them when they went to the college town where they felt that they would be happier than anywhere else in the world even if they were to grow very rich which seems quite likely now and that is how it all happened end of part six section four